0: welcome to the exit six podcast there's just over two weeks left for this year's final submissions deadline which is on the 8th of july so please get those films into us we'll be letting any qualifying filmmakers know if they've been successful on the 22nd of july we've plenty of time to get ready for our big day on the 26th of september in this week's episode the team will be talking about quiet carriage by ben s highland turning 10 by Jalen earth and futures by daniel mark james everyone and welcome to episode 25 of the exit six podcast um like the previous weeks we're in lockdown so we're doing this all over uh technology it's the best way to put it there's so many programs and things flashing and buzzing on two screens that are in front of me but hopefully you can hear us all clearly and when i say us that's me claire and i'm also joined by fellow judges um Serena and Josh. So I'll start with you by saying, hi, Serena, how are you doing? How's lockdown?
1: I'm really good. How are you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, not bad. I know you've been busy writing for the Exit 6 blog. How's that going? Yes, I have. Yeah, really good so far. I've spoken to uh, a lot of mainly...
1: uh, female filmmakers that I really uh, love and admire at the moment. Um, but I am trying to branch out uh, to the males, uh, which I will do <laughs> sometime in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, it's going really well. Loving it so far.
0: Brilliant. Well, Josh, will you be free? You can talk to Serena at some point, wouldn't you?
2: About her wonderful uh, uh, research. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you dabble in filmmaking, though. You can, you can talk about that, couldn't you?
2: Oh, my favourite yeah. filmmakers are females. So I'd like, I'm sure I could uh, run a few past Serena that you might not have heard of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How are you doing, Josh?
2: Very good, thank you. Trapped in a tiny box uh, with a microphone. Oh, <laughs> that's my life.
0: You
2: <laughs> yeah, you got a, of, you got a window. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we can keep you company for a little while, and we can talk about the films that we all enjoyed last year. Um, today, we'll be talking about Block Six, which is our Judges' Six, which is the the top six films of all of the submissions that we've got, and they were they were in competition with each other to get the Exit Six Best Film. So, uh, so let's let's dig into this because. Because they're all brilliant, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't have been in the uh, the judges' six, but we've all got a little something to say about them. So we'll start with uh, Quiet Carriage by uh, Ben S. Highland. Uh, this one's uh, about a man. A man must decide whether to intervene and stop a casual commuting rule breaker or live a lifetime of regret. So, as you can tell, that one's a comedy, and I'm very pleased to say that um, our host, Stacey Hart. Um was able to uh, have a chat with Ben. Uh, I have a bit of a q and a with him uh, after we saw the film on the day. So we'll listen to that first.
3: Let's not stand too far from each other because okay. these are a little tangly, There we hi. Yeah. yeah that was wonderful, Ben. Thank you so much for bringing this to us. Thank you for sharing it. Um I just think uh, it it's a wonderfully original idea, but it, it's such a familiar scenario. for? Ev- Am I the only one in the room that's gotten really angry about an argument they imagined having? Okay, good. I'm among friends. Great. So this happens to everyone. Um, how, tell us a bit about how the idea for taking it that, like, uh, sort of unrealistic and, 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 and really hilarious way forward was.
4: Oh, wow. Um, mm, well, it happened. I mean, that's, as it has happened to everyone in this room, probably this week. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I could tell you how the the idea... I suppose... So, we just shot a different film, me me and the producer called Save Space, that played at the festival last year. Which played
3: at the festival last year. Yeah, a
4: wonderful film. Yeah, completely different. Very, very different. It was very serious and very emotionally draining. It was about human trafficking. And um, and we wanted to do something fun. And I remembered that um, I uh, I got the train, I had this horrific journey... Um, for 45 minutes where a a woman was speaking on the phone and she kept saying the same thing. Like, but just slightly different phrasing. So, this is um, disrespectful. I can't believe how disrespectful this is. This is total disrespect. You know what that is? That is disrespectful. That's not respecting them. (laughs) And and I was thinking, what is the person on the other end of the phone saying to enable her to keep repeating the same thing for this entire journey? And um, I suppose the train of thought, I was, I mean, I was enjoying it. I thought it was hilarious. Mm. Um, but I suppose the idea came from the notion that what if this never ends? What, what if this situation just what goes on forever, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, so, you actually died. Yeah, right, so that's,
4: that's kind of where it all, all kind of stemmed from. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I was telling the... I didn't have a script or anything. I was just telling um, uh, the DP and the, direct and the producer just a story very anecdotally, and everyone was laughing, and I thought okay, I'll, I'll put this on paper and see Something where it
3: goes. Yeah. So it all starts with a little yeah. nugget like that, yeah. I was going to ask about the script, because one of my favourite things is when she does that sort of very um, repetitious thing uh, and, and it just gets more and more funny the more she repeats it, but at the start, she's sort of, you know, inserting little things, and because the audio goes in and out from her to him, we're just hearing little snatches of these larger sentences and you're just hearing, like, pizza, take the backpack, Shetland pony. And I'm like, were these little snatches of of longer things that you wrote? Or were you just like, just go nuts. Say what you like, bring it on. I'd
4: love to claim I was a better writer than I am. But um, (laughs) but Emma Ciddy was brilliant. She just turned up and she's great at improv. And I just wind her up and go. I mean, yeah, there was loads of stuff we didn't use. There's like probably 10, 20 minutes. You need to
3: do an outtakes reel. Am I right? Come on. Yeah.
4: But I just let her go. And and the scene, it would be like, I, I knew I'd need a certain shot for like, 15 seconds, and I'd let her go for five minutes. It was <laughs> hilarious. I'd let her go, really, until someone in the cast or the crew started laughing. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that's how every scene ended with someone you know, breaking it, as opposed to me saying cut.
3: It sounds like a really fun shoot as well, which, you know, is, is kind of ha- a lot of why we all do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about, it. like, for for quite a, sh- a relatively short film, considering how many different locations and how many different people you had involved, and there's lo- every bit of the production was sort of very specific in its look, and, you know, you've got different extras, and, and the age makeup as well. It must have been quite challenging, considering it's like, what, a six-minute run time. So tell us a little bit about, you know challenges that you faced and things?
4: So, the only location was outside the train station and the train itself. Um, The rest of it was all in the same house.
3: Everything else was a house. That's really awesome. Oh, no, the
4: church, sorry. That's not a house. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) It would be a really nice house to live in, wouldn't it? Um, No, everything was was in the producer's house and he he was renovating at the time. And so we literally just built sets and then overnight we re-wallpapered the sets and, and that's how we did it. But everything was wow. essentially in this house, yeah. Brilliant. So it's relatively easy in that respect. But yeah, the, But I suppose the cast, so. um, you saw at the end, it said, Talkies Community Cinema. That, they gave us £500. Pounds. They do a grant every year and give four filmmakers a little bit of money. Yeah. And, um, and so a lot of the extras were just people that go to uh, that cinema. So.
3: Brilliant. And uh, Amit Shah and Emma CD, I mean, there's mm. a couple of great names there. How did that come about?
4: Um... They were our first choices. Um, we uh, it actually comes back to save space because the actress Rebecca Grant. Yeah, she um, was brilliant. Yeah, I yeah, know. she knew Amit. Oh, okay. And so we kind of were a bit naughty. We kind of circumnavigated the agent because agents generally, with with someone like Get that, they the don't way. want necessarily the actors to do it because he was in between shooting with Liam Neeson yeah. and and you know some Emma Thompson, some really big names. So. He didn't need this, right? And so, um, but we contacted him through an introduction on Instagram and he loved it and then we went, I'm not sure if I should say this, but then we went to the agent pretending that we hadn't spoken to him (laughs) and that's how much of a great actor he is. He went to the agent and went, I'll give it a read, why not? Knowing full well that he wanted to do it. So as soon as we got him and Emma... Um, it's been on a lot of BBC Three stuff and does a lot of radio stuff, and she's just a great comedian anyway. Yeah. And um, yeah, just arranged that through her agent, and she wanted to do it. And it's funny because uh, oh, should I say this?
3: Go on. Everyone in this room wants you to. So she's with quite a big
4: agency, and she and she, um, and we sort of met her, and we sort of said, look, do you want to? You know, you, we, we we really want you to do it. You know, do you think you can? Do you think your agent will be on board? And she was like. I'll do whatever I want and my agent will kind of tell, you know, I, if I want to do it, I'll do it and they can go stuff themselves. So we're very lucky that she didn't really care as well. So.
3: Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that, I think it's like I say, you've got to do it for the love, haven't you? And also in your position, you know, just that little bit of chutzpah, you know, it, 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 it's such a fight sometimes to get this stuff done. And it looks like a lovely thing to have worked on. So, I mean, if I'd have been there, I'd have jumped at it as well. What else have you got going on? Anything in the pipeline you want to plug?
4: Tell us about. Uh, So Adam and I, the film's producer, we're making a feature in March, I think. Mm. Um, That's half funded at the moment, but I don't get involved in the money. That's his problem. Um, And there's a couple of shorts also. There's a short with Genera that I need to make. Mm -hmm. Um, Just need to raise a bit of money on that. And I wrote something new yesterday, which I'm quite excited about. But it might be just because... I wrote yesterday and it's still exciting, so yeah. it's probably terrible, but we'll see. If I'm still excited in a week, then I'll have a look at it again.
3: That's the thing to do, isn't it? Go away, come back, look at it and go, Was mm, is it good, terrible? <laughs> I do that a lot with song lyrics as well. It's tried and tested technique. Thank you so much for, for bringing this here. It's a wonderful piece of work and we can't thank you enough. Ben Hyland. Thank you.
0: Oh, it's brilliant. I'm so glad that, uh, glad that uh, Ben could come along and have a chat um, with, with Stacey there and during the Q&A, we learned quite a bit about his casting process, which was interesting. Um, but talking about the film itself, I mean, I loved it. I've watched it a few times now, and it makes me laugh every time. And I think a bit like um, uh, Bob Mortimer's train guy that's gone crazy on Instagram, it's hilarious because we've all been in a train carriage with someone who just great. And they just don't stop for the entire journey. So it's really, really relatable in that way and just brilliant, 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 funny. Um, so Serena, what do you, what do you think of Quiet Carriage on, on first viewing?
1: You know what? I think it's, it's like the perfect short, funny film. Uh, I think it's just, it, Ben is such a slick filmmaker and he's so good at what he does. And uh, I'm actually really glad that he's kind of, branching out and doing some comedy now because his first film was brilliant, uh, um, but very, very serious. Um, And this one, I think it's just, it's so funny. And even though you know some of the things are coming and it's kind of predictable in some way, you just, you go with it anyway because it still continues to be funny. And even at the end when he turns out that he confronts the girl but he's wrong <laughs> and it's not the quiet carriage I love that I know, I know it's coming, but it's still hilarious because everyone like you said everyone's been there everyone's been on that train and you'd love to like have a go at someone for being this noisy bugger um and you don't but imagine if you did but then imagine if you did and you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, the actors were amazing. The age, like the prosthetics, the makeup was fantastic. Uh, I, you know what? It was a great script and you had great actors performing them. Uh, so I think it was kind of win, win all round really with Ben. He ticked so many different boxes and they were all yeah. brilliantly well made. And
2: crafted. So
0: yeah, loved it. Oh, that's brilliant. Josh, what were your thoughts on that quiet carriage?
2: Yeah, this is a, the first time I've got to see it. Uh, due to knowing Ben from uni, um, uh, he was a great laugh at uni. Really funny. Um, you know that when you go to uni, and you know someone's going to make it in out of the course. And <laughs> you know Ben always stood out. So uh, it always pleases me to get to see his films um, and 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 to know that the guy uh, personally, and and to know that he's got the talent. Um, I get to see uh, now and again some of his stuff, um, and it gets funnier and funnier each time he's kind of i think he's mastered uh the uh the comedy structure he and what he uses to great effect is the edit you know the cut tells the joke which is really hard to do um, aside from the fact that the writing's strong the structure's strong yeah the the, the editing is is extremely strong um and that one was um the Quiet Carriage reminded me of the uh, That Happened meme. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's uh, there's this idea that uh, people uh, tell this really tall story that absolutely didn't come, you know, probably didn't happen, but they tell you this big tale, um, you know, blah, 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 I said this, someone was being annoying, and then right at the end, everybody clapped. <laughs> uh, and it's usually a lie. Uh, it's like a wish fulfillment thing, and uh, that's what that's what I kind of uh, read into this one, uh, and it was really enjoyable. Um, he Ben's got a really strong um, uh, third act twist, but I think I don't know. I think Serena mentioned it just earlier, just now. Where yeah, they it's a rug pull, and that's a that is a that's a Ben Highland uh, signature. So it was good to see.
0: Oh, it's brilliant because uh, like they like Stacey mentioned in the the Q and A that he did. Um safe space look, look, that we saw exit six last like year before last 2018 and that was real serious stuff but i think that's the thing that um the fine line between tragedy and comedy and hopefully he's going more of the comedy uh route which which i welcome completely i know that he's uh, completed uh, another short called talk radio and looking at the cast uh, tim key pierce quigley and julia deacon that's his comedy to me. I don't know much about the film at all, but I know that it's hitting the festivals later this year. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, is going to squeeze it um, over to uh, Exit 6. We'll have a look, obviously, being completely impartial. We don't show favouritism, even though we've got to know Ben a little bit over the years. But if it's if it's worthy, we'll slip it in for sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, and hopefully uh, more and more stuff will come from him. Right, so moving on now to um, a little change of pace, going from an a out-and-out comedy to uh, turning ten, which is a bit more, much more of a drama. Uh, this one, um, a woman and her daughter anxiously await a doctor's appointment that is destined to change their lives forever. Now, unfortunately, the the filmmaker um, Jalen, La- oh, she was unable to, she was unable to join us for q and A, Q&A, so we're just going to be talking about it ourselves. And for me, this one—it's—it's it's to kind of sum it up. It's about um, female circumcision, which I did not know about much about personally. But this film really made me want to know more and how things can be put in place to, to stop it, because a lot of this is done uh, with, without the consent of the ten-year-old girls. It's it's um, put on, and uh, for this one, it kind of it kind of swipe me and it's storytelling in that it started quite gently almost comedic and in this waiting room for um at doctors and then it just turns and it really focuses and focus on the mother and she knows exactly what she's there to do with her daughter but it's her own internal struggles like actually if i could have not done this at her age i would have walked out that door so I felt I it was one of those films that really kind of sticks with you and it really makes you want to think and learn a bit more. So we'll start with you, Josh. What was your thoughts on Turning 10?
2: Well, I'm, I was so proud to have this one be in the top six. Um, it does have that uh, important um, subject matter. It is under known, uh, certainly in the West. It, it needs to be uh, highlighted. And I know yeah, short film festivals don't get... You know the the, the audience it, it should, but short films like this should get the audience it deserves, and um, so so um, so I was happy to you know, uh, uh, argue for turning ten to get in, and I was happy it got into the top six, and I was happy it was in contention for the for a prize, um, and and rightly so. Um, it covers uh, FGM in a in a in a quite um, confronting and subtle way. It it, it avoids cliché. Um, and it has an amazing um, use of uh, camera work where when there's a, a flashback, it, it changes the camera lens and um, that's all you need to do. It doesn't change the colour tone or anything, but it, it tells a much more point of view, almost like a horror movie, uh, if I could say that. I, I mean that as a compliment. You know, we've, we're, we're led into, uh, a fe- oddly, a female world where they're all confronted by... Yeah, the women in the family, who because of the tradition, uh, they just go along with it, and it's 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 terrifying, and it's poignant, um, and it's highlighting barbaric practices. And I think every year someone should make a film like this and push it out and con- and keep getting this message across.
0: That's brilliant. No, you're right. Absolutely, I'd I'd certainly uh, welcome more of this. It may be in different. Uh, formats, documentary, animation, you know, it's its definitely a story that can be told in many different ways and hopefully reach a much wider audience with each showing. So that'd be very interesting. Serena, what were your thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, you're right. It's not something that is often um, told and it's something I wrote uh, when I first saw it, Disturbing and Honest Portrayal of uh, FTM, which is you know, it's, it's, it, which is accurate. And it's, it's such an important topic that isn't shown very much that I think it's it. And it shows perfectly like the mirror of the mirror of ourselves back to like nature and it's kind of i don't know it's just one of those films where we which is the reason why film exists is it's to educate it's to show people uh how we can do things differently It's to show you how things are happening now in other places of the world that we don't live in um and that it still happens you know that's the thing like it is still a thing that is happening to girls everywhere and um and it hasn't stopped and um I think it was really brave to put this film together and I think they did it really well and uh, I think it was beautifully and touchingly and sensitively kind of put together without kind of like what uh, Josh was saying about not patronizing people but just kind of showing you uh, someone's experience of it and I felt like you go through that experience with them when you watch this film and I just uh, yeah I was super happy it was part of the top six and I fought for it as well because I think more films like this should be told.
0: Right, so going from uh, turn 10 to our last uh, film for this episode. This is uh, Futures by um, Daniel Mark James. To uh, read the synopsis, Leo wants to pursue riskier trades and bullies his underlings into going along with him. But how far can he push them? That does sum it up brilliantly, uh, I think. But luckily, again, we've got um, uh, Daniel Mark James was able to join us for the Q&A. So here's Stacey having a chat with him.
3: I remembered the microphone this time.
0: Hi. Hello. Thank you so
3: much for being here and for bringing your wonderful film. Oh, thank you for directing it. Thank you. No, no, it's all right. Um, I don't, wonderful. It's, it's fantastic, but I don't know. A whole host of emotions there. It's, it's raw and it's really kind of hard to watch because ugh, he's horrible. And I don't know. Is it, is it wrong to kind of go ha-ha a little bit at the end?
5: No, I just, no, no, no. Um, I, mean. I don't know. <laughs> he very much gets his comeuppance, so I think, laugh yeah. away. Yeah,
3: okay, well then, ha-ha. Um, so, uh, how much of this, because uh, you wrote and directed this, how much of it came from, uh, was it the drama that interested you? Or are you particularly interested in finance? Um,
5: what's it's interesting, actually. Um, so, no, I've never worked on a trading floor or anything. Um, wow,
3: that must have been really, like, hard to get all the technical stuff right. You must have um, been a load of research.
5: Thought um, sort of, yeah, well, kind of. I, I didn't, I didn't, in a way. Um, in that, so I should talk about the origins of the film a bit, which is, um, uh, so um, eagle-eyed people may have noticed in the credits, I think, Theatre 503, it started off as a stage play.
3: Which is um, going to be my next question. There yeah. you go, carry ah. on.
5: Um, and so um, Theatre 503, which is a kind of um, great theatre in, in Battersea where uh, lots of people got their start, um, and, put, and it's a great new writing theatre. Um, every main show play that they do, they have something called Rapid Write Response, in which... Um, potential writers are invited to respond to that play. And so this was back in 2016, the main show play was a play called, uh, was a play called BU21 by a guy called Stuart Said, which is a really good play, went on to transfer to Trafalgar Studios, uh, and it was about a terrorist attack, a civilian plane landing, uh, a, a civilian plane crashing into a suburban street and had various characters experience of it, one of whom was a trader, uh, was a trader character. And so this started off as a rapid-right response Uh, riffing on the themes of BU21 so um, uh, and it was kind of written you know because basically you see the play on the on the kind of dedicated writers night on the on the Wednesday or Thursday you send submissions in by Monday you basically write it in 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 a mad craze and the the script is basically 75% the Mm. same as it was in April 2016. Wow Um, and so with all of the finance stuff um, it's kind of there's a website called StockTwit in which you can see kind of of amateur day traders talk to each other and... Pick uh, up the
3: lingo. Yeah. Ah.
5: Um, And it's a lot of fun. But also, you know, it's not typical, it's not kind of, it's meant to be believable in the world of the film. It's not kind of meant to be kind of a a fair representation necessarily. It's more, uh, it's more, uh, i wanted to create these characters Mm. and and, and to tell that story. But, um, um, you know, it's, it's not kind of it's not it's not a documentary. I just had a lot of fun.
3: Sure, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. If you were like the head of the Bank of England or
5: whatever, it yeah. wouldn't necessarily. But uh, yeah,
3: I think you did a good enough job that we can Thank allow you. him a little dramatic license, Thank can't you. we? Thank so you. yes.
5: Um, well, it's funny actually. There's um, there's a film. Um, I remember reading a story. There's a film called um, Two Lane Blacktop, which is a really good film from I think 1971 about drag car racing, and there's a lot of technical there's a lot of technical chat in it, and uh, people were that the screenwriter had experience of drag car racing and you know because there's all stuff about you know different parts of the car and all of this weird lingo and they asked the screenwriter um, uh, so you must have been a drag car racer or something how, how did you get all this experience he said oh I just made it up <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit like that so if there are any day traders in the audience so feel free to, to call me out I'm just having a bit of fun
3: I, I'm not sure that there's a huge amount of finance art crossover myself <laughs> I don't know but I mean, yeah, my experience is you say anything confidently enough, and people just assume you know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, great well, ha- tell me about the casting for this film because I feel that with this in, in particular this that was key because you really, really had to get not only this uh completely amoral <laughs> but um, <laughs> like the, the, the two people the two foils there were their their journey was was far more subtle and but was very, very. Obvious what they were going through and that they did it incredibly well. So tell me about that and how you found them and what what you did Yeah,
5: um, this is the first time I've actually worked with the casting director Um, uh, uh, An excellent uh, an an excellent casting director called called um, Kate Bowen who is the assistant at Nina gold Mm. Um, and you know, she's um, She works on you know, the crown and Game of Thrones and all all this kind of thing. I think we've heard of those. uh, Yeah Um, and um, you know, so really, uh, I was kind of a, another friend of mine had made a short film with someone from Nina Gold, and I made the contact that way. Um, and just it's 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 down to Kate really, uh, mm. so um, who is far too busy with the uh, Crown season four to <laughs> to come down tonight. But 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 really, she kind of helped uh, kind of get us the right combination of people, and, and you know, and they both and they both did such a such a great job. And Craig, yeah. Craig had so many lines. I mean, no, no one should be asked to memorize that many lines but uh there there, there was
3: well i think he had a lot of fun actually i i I think if i had that i i feel like i would have had a lot of fun with that it you know personally i i I hope he did anyway um well thank kate bone for us because yeah you you. both did a great job i love the way that the um and again i'm not a technical person i love the way that um you really built the tension with the the, the camera work and the edit, it just, it went from being quite sedate to getting choppier and choppier as the the tension built there. Was that always the intention or did you just kind of feel your way on set and then in the edit, how much of that was pre-planned?
5: Well, I think it's kind of, um, because the script originally was quite tight and I think we had the advantage of the fact that we had seen it on stage before and we knew kind of what worked and what didn't. Um, and so it was already quite tense when it was first performed in April 2016, but actually we did end up cutting a page of script during the shoot um, because um, we we, we had a two-day shoot, I think it was October the 27th and 28th, uh, 2017 we shot it, and um, Daylight Saving Time fell in the middle of our shoot, Um, and so even though the crew got got an extra hour of sleep, which is lovely, um, it also meant that we had one less day of daylight, yeah. and because of, because of our location, we couldn't—you know—it it had to all be in daylight. Sure. And so, and so we ended up kind of getting rid of some stuff that, mm. um, you know, because we, we shot it mostly in sequence and we were rushing. And I, I I think that kind of, well, partly that and partly also that we had, uh, um, and we had a very solid post team uh, who would all uh, who would all who were based at uh, at Final Cut Productions in, mm. uh, in London. And, yeah, and, so, and Kit, our editor, and uh, Joe, our composer, and uh, Fred, our sound guy, were just... They've they worked together on like several other projects before, and they were able to kind of... They, yeah. they, 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 were, they can communicate with each other really well, and they know... And I think it, it, it's partly down to the fact that we had such a tight post team, I think.
3: Cool. That and, yeah. Quick, just get it done! <laughs> Love it. OK. Um, what's next in the pipeline for you?
5: Um, yeah, well, actually, um, um, Dom and I, my producer, who... Uh, really wanted to come tonight, but sadly he's doing—he's um, um, shooting a BF500 short next month, and
3: doesn't sound sadly to me. Well done him. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yeah it's, no, it's, it's a shame exciting. he can't be here. Yeah, yeah. with
5: the director um, Lorna Nixon Brown, and it's going to be very exciting. Mm. And yeah, they're, they're doing lots of casting, and uh, you know, so and there's a lot of paperwork attached with that. But he's—but yeah. um, he, he sends his love. Um, but Dom and I—we actually shot another short film. Um, last year, which is very different, um, but it's called Conte Anglais. It is set in clacton on sea in Essex. Uh, I'm from Essex, so it's kind of uh, 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 quite personal in, in that way. But it's, uh, it, it is an Anglo-French romance shot in 16mm, um, most, mostly in French. And you, it's, quite, it's quite different. You probably wouldn't guess it's from the same director, but um, it's playing, that's playing at uh, Bolton Film Festival next week. And we in fact just found out the other day that we were selected for our first bester qualifying film festival. Wow! Congratulations! Um, so that's um, so yeah, we're we're excited about that.
3: Good. Well, we'll be excited to see it too. And in the meantime, thank you for bringing cool. this Thanks to us.
5: So Great, me. I'm, Daniel, I'm, I'm, Daniel James. James. Yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> cool. thank you so I was really pleased that. Um, <laughs> that Daniel was able to join us for that Q&A, actually. It's kind of nice to hear that he's working on other projects that are very, very different to to Futures. Now, for me, Futures, um, the um, the lead, Leo, played by Craig Parkinson, was a bit of a standout to me because I've seen him in loads and loads of stuff and most people would recognise him as as Cotton from Line of Duty or Dot. Um, I think that's probably made him more of a household name or a bit, bit more of a face. Um, but this... Uh, this character was so smarmy. He's really good at villains, but he's also kind of nice as, guy. he's good at the nice guy, the kind of the, the bloke down the road, kind of casual uh, every man. But uh, yeah, Leo was particularly <laughs> snaky. So so uh, I'd certainly applaud it, the performance in this one. <laughs> so Serena, what was your thoughts on futures? You know what, I, I really enjoyed
1: this film. I think because I I thought it was like an insight into the worlds of stocks and trades that I didn't, you know, I don't usually get to kind of like peer into. Um, But I thought uh, without knowing anything really about that kind of subject matter, um, I thought it was well written. But again, I think Craig Parkinson's performance was kind of like stand out for it like he was he delivered everything perfectly so he kept you kind of entertained and he carries that whole film like almost entirely himself I know you've got the, the other two characters as well um, but I thought that also the use of like the location where they shot was pretty cool because it's, it was opposite an airport wasn't it I think um, and I think it just kind of, that kind of added to the extra layer of the detail of all this stuff going on and and terrorism in the world and kind of like Taking chances and betting on the lives of the public, <laughs> um, which is kind of ironic for the time that we live in now, <laughs> with the whole kind of mm. disaster, um, disaster kind of stakes that we have uh, going on. But I think, yeah, he was. I love that kind of karma got him in the end, and I did. Yeah, it was a neatly wrapped up kind of like bitter present that I quite enjoyed. So yeah,
0: liked it. Yeah, Josh, what would you like to say?
2: Oh, it's nice to listen to director Daniel uh, explain the um, theatrical um, basis for it, because it sort of clicks into place now. Um, sometimes when you see uh, theatre you know, made into film, you can tell it from a mile away. Oh, that looks like it's based on a play. You know, you get that feeling when you, when you, when you see something. But with futures, I, I just... I didn't, when I first saw it, I saw it as a film. But now knowing that it's come from the stage and he's translated it, uh, he's done a very successful job translating it into into, a short. And also I think um, Craig Parkinson does need uh, a standout um, uh, nod uh, for the performance. He plays the most evil character I've ever seen. Um, yes, their archetype—it's it's like every horrible archetype pulled together in a in a big giant ball. You, know, you can see him having fun. You can see him t- chewing the scenery, um, but loving every moment of it. You can you can you can see that he's actually being edgy and going over the edge. And he's got the he's got the uh, the the talent to play that knife edge between, you know, um, complete horror show and and the, the idea, I guess, you know, the timely attack on the villains of the world, which I think uh, is quite an enjoyable thing to do. Um, yeah, mostly people who make money out of tragedy, they're the people that do need to be uh, stood up and uh, pointed at. And I think this film nails that uh, perspective.
0: Right, so I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up for for this episode. Um, And I'm pleased to say Josh and Serena will be joining me again for the next episode where we'll we'll be uh, discussing the other three films that featured in our top six of last year. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast was produced by Face TV with music from Joe Williams.